0: Welcome to the Paragold Podcast, this is Jared Pitney, and today I am joined by Priscilla Jones. Priscilla, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Well, thank you guys so much for having me.
0: How was my introduction, Bill? Was it uh, was it more enthusiastic? Is it feeling good? Than your rehearsal? Yes. It okay, way fantastic. Better. All right, good. So Priscilla, yeah, awesome. Thanks, Bill. Um, you are the mother of two boys. I am. You are a police officer. I am. You are a published author. Correct. And there's a rumor that you live in a haunted house on Poplar. That,
1: also correct.
0: Wow. <laughs> so where do we begin? How about let's just start. Uh, like, tell me about what you were like as a little girl. Like, What was life like for you? Where did you grow up? And then we'll kind of get to how you got to where you are today.
1: Well, uh, I was born in Paragould, um, but I moved to Miami, Florida at a very young age at three or four So my younger years, I spent there, and I would come back here in the summers and stay with my nanny and papa on South 3rd Avenue. Um, But as a young kid, I loved to write. I loved to read. Um, In fourth grade, I had written a haiku um, poem, a haiku, and I won first place in all of South Dayton, Miami. What are you you
0: saying? What is that called? A
1: haiku. A haiku? It's like a poem, a very short poem, and there's so many words per line, and it has to be in a certain format. Um, Now, did I ever think that I was going to be an author when I grew up? Possibly. I had like probably 20 things that I wanted to be. (laughs) Like what? um, Well, I wanted to be a singer. Um, I wanted to be an astronaut, so obviously that one didn't happen. (laughs) Um, Not yet. Well, no, I I can't (laughs) because now I'm just now realize I'm scared of heights. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, But uh, no, I always love to read. I mean, when I was 10 years old, I was reading, you know, thousand, two thousand page books, whether they were mm -hmm, whether they were like the classics or they were romance novels or, you know, supernatural fiction. I just I always loved to read. Um, but Did you we, get
0: that? Was like your mom or dad loved to read or someone else. Well,
1: um, not necessarily reading, but my dad loved to write. Okay, so, so you um, had a
0: love for words, and it kind of came naturally. Yes, yep. yeah.
1: Some people they just you know like musically inclined. Um, my dad's side of the family, the Joneses, they're all very musically inclined. Um, I mean, I can remember as far as I can remember back being alive, my dad playing the guitar and singing, and me sitting on the floor looking up at him That's and singing cool. with him. Um, Those are good memories. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he wrote all of his own songs. So I guess that's maybe where I got the love of, you know, writing from. But um, hmm. so I moved back here uh, in Arkansas when I was 10. And because um, mom and dad, you know, had divorced. And we lived out at life. But I spent most of my time here in Paragould at my nanny and Papaw's. And um, so that's, I guess, you know, as far as like the writing and reading aspect, mm-hmm. that's I've always you know been into that like I've always just naturally I I was never really good at words when I was little because believe it or not as outgoing as I am now I was pretty shy when I was little
0: Really mm-hmm. when did you uh, when did that change?
1: When I went to a public school um, I'd went to a private school when I was in Florida okay. and then in fourth grade I'd went to a fine arts school and we focused on music because you could do music dance or theater and I'd already been t- I started taking piano lessons I think at four years old. So, um, I obviously focused on music and then when I went to a public school, I was shocked. Like, you know, I mean, they, they made fun of me in fifth grade for sitting up so straight, you know, and everybody else so you're was like super
0: proper. Quiet, oh
1: yeah. That. So I had to stop that really quick, you know, because they were making fun of me, but, um, I started getting more outgoing and, um, you know, I mean, I had friends, you know, as a kid, but I was still really shy. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you wouldn't think it, um, dad's side of the family, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, the Joneses, I mean, they're all pretty loud, pretty outgoing. And, and I was the quiet one. And then that changed. Um, but I was always better at writing than, you know, talking out loud. So I, when I was a kid, I had a journal and I would write, you know, what I did every day. And really, mm-hmm. so how
0: far back did you start keeping a journal?
1: I wish I had it. I don't have any of it. Really? Yeah, I don't have. And I actually, when I was 12, I wrote a thousand page romance novel on paper. Because you were we 12? How long yes. did that take you? Uh, probably like maybe a month, if that. Because when I start writing, I can't stop. Like it's in my head, especially now, like I will picture it as if it's a movie I'm seeing. Like I'll see it like play all, out. Like
0: kind of all at once? Just like
1: bam. Yeah. Like it just keeps going. Like the whole plot goes in my head. Huh. So needless to say, when we only had pen and paper back then, my hand would cramp uh, yeah. up, but, and I wish I still had that too. But, you know, I've moved over the years and, and lost a lot of my stuff that I wrote. Um, I may possibly still have my haiku somewhere. I don't know. That's, but,
0: that's crazy to think about. Like, in, and the journaling piece, and I think that is so important. I actually have been journaling for the past seven years, almost daily, but I've got an app on my phone Because that very reason, I actually started journaling probably eight or nine years ago and I lost like two years worth of journals. And so I found this app on my phone that's called the Day One app.
1: And what's so cool about
0: it is it will show you like your previous entries from like, this time last year, this time three years ago, this time six years ago. So you can kind of see, like, what was going on in your life, what was I feeling, like, and all that. So it's.
1: Well, I'm thinking about picking it up now because I think, if nothing else, and this may be something for you, is, you know, years from now when, you know, you're gone, they can be, you know, your kids can have them and your grandkids, and they can know what
0: Absolutely. their grandpa's
1: life was like. Yeah. So, the yeah, good, I the think. The bad, and the ugly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And
1: kind of make it a little romantic twist, you know, like yeah. this is what it was like in the 2020s and the – you yeah. know, back then.
0: Yeah. So you started writing at an early age. Um, so pick me up. You said your
1: first novel was
0: when? How did you say you were? Okay.
1: Uh, oh, well, um, when I was, like, I think I might've been 13, but I think I was 12.
0: Okay. 12 or 13. So you automatically have a, a love for writing. What else were you into uh, your teenage years?
1: Um, history, I will say history has always been my favorite subject. I do like science, you know, like anatomy and physiology and, and biology, but it's always been history. Um, and I guess it, that started from when I was younger reading historical romance novels, like the the Joan of Arc book. Um, it's a, a very large book. It's definitely, you know, adult level. And I think I read that one when I was like, I don't know, 14.
0: Really? What appeals to you about the historical romance?
1: I guess it's... I don't believe my personal beliefs, um, whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know. But I don't believe in reincarnation. Um, but it makes you wonder, you know, what was life ba- you know, like back then? Um, if I believed in it, I would swear that I was not born in the wrong time. You know, mm. like I was, it's just, it's a, a slow pace, even though when I'm driving, I'm always in a hurry, yeah. but it's a different lifestyle. Like it's, you, you know,
0: like the slow pace. Yeah. But your life is not that, right?
1: Absolutely not.
0: And I that's think that's,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm ADD. Anybody that knows yeah. me, I'm all over. Got this idea. Got this idea. But it's just the the slowing down, you know, like depending on the land or before vehicles were made. Just it's, it's incredible. And it's amazing how lifestyles are so different. Um, yeah. And another story I can get into later on is like when I went to Greece and I got to stand where uh, the Apostle Paul, the podium he stood mm-hmm. at. And it was just like, yeah, I'm not crazy on museums, but places like, you know, I can touch the podium and be like, wow, you know, the Apostle Paul touched this. Just it's knowing that generations before hundreds and hundreds of years ago, people that are long gone, it's like their memory still lives on in the presence of where they've been and what they've done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It kind of positions you appropriately in the narrative of like, you know, the fact that we are part of one big story you know, whatever your view is on God and all that, like, I believe we're in his story, yes. right? But it's like, whether you believe it or not, we're living out a narrative and like, this is our moment. You yes, this like, is our, our moment. But whenever you look back at history, you're like, you see how you're a part of something much, much, much bigger than just the here and the now, which I think can like right size us. And I was like, oh, these guys know, like everyone that I'm on staff with is, I love to go to cemeteries. Oh, that's where I do
1: a lot of my writing. Is it really? Yes. Why? I don't know. It's weird because at night they're all creepy, but during the day it's beautiful. Yes, and there's like this peace, like it's just knowing that you're there, and a lot of these people that are buried there, nobody knows about them. Nobody, you know. But me being there, I feel like they're not forgotten. Yeah. Like I, I want people's story. That's why I think I like to read so much too, is because it lets people live on. You know, it's, yeah. their body may not be here, but by memories, by books, books are forever. They keep the stories alive. Yeah. So.
0: And it just, man, being in a cemetery for me keeps things in perspective because it's like, um, you know, we were talking about this, we were at St. Mary's Cemetery as a staff on Wednesday. And, you know, there was this guy that, I don't know, he died and, I don't know, i 1920s or whatever um but his wife died like 10 years before him and she was i think 36 and then he has five kids that all died before they were 10 <sighs> and so we were like i don't know man like it just puts things in perspective like, like you what? want know their story Yeah, you want to be able to talk to him and be like man what was what life like for you after you had not only lost five kids but your wife who was 36 whenever she died like well i don't know man like what was his like? who showed up at his funeral you know, like, I, I don't know. It just, like, how did he die? And yeah, you just, those kind of things, I mean, they, they do fascinate me too, to an extent, but it also just keeps things in perspective um, for me. And it's like, man, like, the reality is, you know, and we're going on this, like, super spiritual <laughs> road. that probably feels deeper than what it really is, but it's like, you know, from dust we come, and dust we will return. And there is something very powerful about, like, remember that your days are numbered, you know? Like, you're not going to go on here, on this earth forever, and, like, Use your time wisely, like make the most of the opportunity you've been given, you know, and try to leave this place better than you found it without taking yourself too seriously in the process. So, Oh, I agree.
1: I agree. Try to make yourself memorable.
0: Yeah. So tell me, uh, you eventually you graduate high school. Um, when At what point did you actually begin to start, like, seriously looking to become a published author?
1: Well, I... Um, like all through, when I went to public school, other than when I wrote that book, when I was like twelve or thirteen, um, I had kind of just let writing go, you know, on the the back burner. Um, and took me a while I, because when I graduated, uh, I had a full page scholarship. Lost it the first semester. Mm. Um, I just I was not ready, you know. I wanted mm. to to just be free and and, yep. and not focus on school. But eventually, I did get my degree in uh, marketing management. Okay and um so i had moved to fayetteville and it's a great place to visit and a lot of people love living there but i guess i'm so used to here with the flatlands i like the flat farmland so i was only there like 6 months um and i came back and got homesick yes big time homesick um and i was going to go back to school and get another degree in dietetics um, because I wanted to be a dietitian, uh, because at this time I started personal training Mm -hmm. and, um, I couldn't get in that semester. So I was going to have to wait till the next semester. And I thought, just spur of the moment thought, you know what, maybe I'll just write a book, uh, while just to pass the time. Mm. And as soon as I started writing, I couldn't stop. I had the first book written in a month. Wow. And it was, I mean, and I was training clients at the gym and I'd have to be there at five 30 in the morning to train. But at two o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up wide awake and it's like, I had to keep writing. I just, I couldn't stop. I got so consumed that what was going to be just, you know, a book to write, it became this whole world inside of my head that I knew automatically there was going to be seven books in the series. I already knew the seven titles. Um, wow. I knew the That's the plot crazy. of it. Yeah and a really cool thing is that it's a it's a supernatural fiction mm-hmm. with christian facts. Huh. So and what's crazy is i didn't even realize this until somebody pointed it out to me one day that there's seven books and seven obviously you know is a mm-hmm. big number in the bible mm-hmm. and i thought like the seven years of tribulation mm-hmm. so i thought wow it's like everything just kind of went together that's wild
0: how did you get interested in the young adults like supernatural fiction how, what What do you think? I think you that um,
1: probably my cousin Melissa. Um, I've always looked up to her. Um, you know, when we're, and she actually, you know what, now that I think about it, that's probably why I got into reading is because she was always reading Nancy Drew as a kid. Wow. She wanted to be a detective. And, you know, she was the closest thing that I had to a big sister. Mm. So I might have got on her nerves a lot <laughs> following her around. But then I wanted to be a detective. So um, I started, that's right, I started reading Nancy Drew with her. I started reading uh, because she, it's when Twilight came out. Uh, at this time, I was- Bill, li- have
0: you ever heard of Twilight? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure you're awake already. Yep, I'm good. Make sure you're paying attention. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you probably can't get into Word Edgewise with me. <laughs> 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 but uh, I was living in Nashville at the time, and this was actually before I'd graduated college. I already had a job offer at a marketing firm there. And I lived there for a year, but, um, my cousin, Melissa, it was huge on the, when the twilight movies came out, mm-hmm. she was there at the very first midnight viewing, you know, of all the movies. Um, but she was like, you've got to read these Priscilla. You've got to read these. They were the very first books that I'd ever read. That was supernatural fiction. Mm. And when I did, I bought almost every type of supernatural really? fiction book with the vampires. Fallen an angel. It. Yes, it was incredible. Yeah. Um, so I've always, that's mainly all you'll see me reading now, is supernatural fiction. Um, I'm not big on sci-fi, like the uh, futuristic like, or alien, okay. zombies. I'm, I'm not big on zombies at all.
0: Supernatural fiction meaning like, mainly like ghosts,
1: right? Ghosts, like vampires, werewolves, vampires, okay. Yep. Okay. yeah. So that's what got me into that. So I already knew, and I'd been down to New Orleans a bunch. Uh, New Orleans, as dirty as it is, is one of the most magical places to me.
0: Hmm. Um
1: and Great because, food. Huh? Great food. Oh, absolutely. Yes, Cafe Du Monde. Their beignets. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you heard it here. Huh? I said you heard it here.
1: Absolutely. There we go. Good. A- good advertising. <laughs> um, but um, I wanted something like it's. There's a couple of series that ha- that came to mind when I started writing. It's Rose Down Seminary series. Um, it was a mixture of like The Mortal Instruments. Um, Vampire Academy, Twilight, you know, a couple others. But I didn't want it to be like Harry Potter with mm-hmm. the castle, you know. But I wanted it to be a school. But I thought like a, a plantation. Hmm. And I didn't want New Orleans because, you know, there's already been so much in a lot of books and TV shows, movies and whatnot that have been in New Orleans. So I started researching. And um, St. Francisville is one of the oldest places in in Louisiana uh, and there was a plantation called Rosedown Plantation. It was a historical uh, a historical site now. Um, and it's the the plantation I knew more about it before I ever even went to visit it. Like I researched the walls, the wallpaper, the flooring, wow, everything on this plantation and I was like this is where my book series is going to be out of. Mm. And I mean I've been there several times now. Um, and when I would go to the tour, and you know, the tour guide would be giving us the tour, and pretty sure I probably got on his nerves a couple of times because I corrected him even on some of the aspects <laughs> like actually,
0: of it. That's incorrect, sir.
1: Yes, uh, and then I finally just gave up, and because I could tell, you know, just that look like okay. better stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that's that's where uh, the history or the the uh, desire for supernatural fiction came in. So, after.
0: how many books have you or actually have you already written in that series?
1: Well, um, there are two that have been published and you know, I said there's seven books. Um, I kind of took a detour for a while and put, you know, writing on back burner. Uh, the third one, it is done. I've just got like two scenes that I need to go back in and add and, you know, any final touch-ups, but I've already got on the fourth book, like five chapters done. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I was really big into the writing and then when I went full-time law enforcement, um, I, I had no time to write. So like, are
0: you full time, like in the law enforcement right now?
1: No, now I'm part time.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. How did you get into law enforcement?
1: This is kind of like the book scenario where yeah. I was just one day I woke up and decided I was going to write. I never, you know, wanted to be a cop. I mean, I guess if you look back when I was a kid, I said, you know, I'd like to be a detective, Yeah. but I mean, it was not anything I was just super passionate about. And I was training at Anytime Fitness, your Mm -hmm. brother's gym. Uh, And my brother came in and he said, hey, you know, the Paragol Police Department is hiring uh, for reserves. And I thought, well, heck, why not? You know, I could do it, you know, on the side and and still train. And then when I was in the academy and they were talking about, like, child abuse, child assault, you know, rape and all this with the – it just – it – pulled at me, it pulled Mm -hmm. at my heart. And I was like, this is, Mm -hmm. I want to make a difference. You know, Mm -hmm. I was a trainer for nine years, personal trainer, and, and I was able to help people with their health, their self esteem. And I thought, you know, what about the kids out there, you know, that are getting abused or the women or men. Um, And then that's why I wanted to help in that way. Mm -hmm. So my driving focus, and this is why I'll always be in law enforcement, even if I don't go back full time you know, mm-hmm. just to help. If I can stop one child from committing suicide or prevent one drunk driver from killing a family, you know, mm-hmm. then then it's worth it.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Um, I love your heart too. I mean, which I would imagine that's the heart of most police officers when they step into that work because it seems to be a pretty thankless, I know, job. Probably not a whole lot of pats on the back. A lot of stuff y'all do that we never even get a chance to see. And so thank you.
1: Oh, well, well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's, it's definitely an honor. It's, Do you,
0: what, what's the hardest part of being a police officer?
1: Um, I guess, well, when I was full time, it was mainly the hours. Um, I know, but I mean, part time now it's, you know, it's nothing. And I'm, I'm with Brooklyn police department and it's mm-hmm. a fantastic department. Oh my gosh. It's, I, I'll probably retire there. Really? Um, yes. The, the people I work with are incredible, um, But I guess with the way it is now with society, you know, and and people are trying to defund the police and stuff, which we're fortunate enough to live in the area that we do. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I don't feel that probably as much as other cities.
1: Yeah, as far as I know, you know, like most of Northeast Arkansas, they're very Mm -hmm. pro-police. So I've been blessed with not having to deal with a lot of people that are anti-police. And I have gotten pat on the backs, which is, you know, the farthest thing that I'm, the reason for me doing it. It's nice um, to get though. Yeah, absolutely. I guess though, the hardest part is, and I've came home from shifts several times and held my son and cried mm-hmm. because I see these kids that are living in, in it's poverty, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know, their parents cussing in front of them and, and just, it, it, it just breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the knowledge that I'm not Superman, you know, that I can't save everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, I guess that's the biggest part. Like, kids are my driving force of you know why I do it and just knowing that I can't help them all I can't save them all
0: yeah and it seems to be um just generational oftentimes of like you you, you've got these patterns that these kids unfortunately grow up in it's like their parents grew up in it and their parents grew up in Mm -hmm. it and it's it's so easy I think whenever you're not like in a situation like you where you get to be on the ground level and kind of really see it, get to know the stories to like shake our fingers at people and be like, why don't you change and Why don't you? It's like, man, you don't understand like how, how, just how rooted people are in their family system for better or for worse. And it just takes a lot of work and a lot of love and a lot of care and a lot of training and a lot of, just a lot of different things to pull somebody out of that.
1: Well, and a lot of kids, you know, they think they don't have a choice. Right. Um, You know, if their families, if their parents are in that lifestyle, then they're not going to, you know, preach to their kids, hey, you can do better than this. Absolutely. So that's, I've caught myself a lot feeling like I was a counselor, you know, and and I've had, you know, several of them, younger girls even, you know, that have reached out to me um, and, you know, asked me, you know, can I talk to you sometime, you know, we're like if they were on drugs already, wow. you know, and wanting yeah. to get help. And I've, yes. you know, guided them to, you know, some good Christian based rehabs that, I that I thought would help. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a job of multitasking. You're the, <laughs> you know, the your enforcer, you're the counselor. It's, yeah. it, it sounds
0: like that's a good job for you.
1: Oh, yeah. it, it is. It is. I love it. And I'm glad that God led me there. You know, just that one day my brother said, hey, they're hiring. And here you are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I want to switch gears. Let's talk about this house on Poplar, okay? Yeah, I've always been fascinated by it. For those who are listening um, and are familiar with Paragould, at some point they've probably seen it. It's pretty, once you see it, you don't usually forget it. It's a house built, it's in 1928, mm-hmm. correct? What's the history behind it? Because I've, I've heard so many things about it. Um, I've heard like there's even a tunnel. Yes. I don't know, is that true? Yes. What is that about? Okay. So there's a tunnel that connects two uh, houses and then...
1: Okay, there was... And one was recently tore down, unfortunately. One of the houses?
0: Yes. I didn't know that.
1: Yes, they were called Hansel and Gretel houses. They were built by Germans, the Rhine brothers. And um, the there was the bigger one, which was the main house, and that's the one that I have. And there was the smaller one. They both had hidden tunnels that connected to these carriage houses on the street over. So... Um, the 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 one on the left, the one that's the smaller one that I did not get, um, that tunnel there, it had a, a poplar tree in the backyard, and it's the largest poplar on the ridge. That's why the street is named Poplar. Really? Mm-hmm. Is it still there? Oh, absolutely. It's huge, huge. Huh. Well, the roots were so big that the roots are what caused that tunnel to collapse. So um, the house, unfortunately, got condemned, and at one time— all the properties, all three, the carriage houses and both houses were all on one property. And over the years, they had separated them. And I got fortunate, or I was fortunate enough to when I bought the house, I also, the carriage houses were part of the property. So, um, which I'm trying to get in the works now of buying the, the property that's beside it.
0: So you own the property that has the carriage houses on it?
1: Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see. What like, did
0: that used to It used to be like an apartment?
1: Uh, over the years, yeah. Originally, it was used for the servants. Um, and Really? hmm And they would come through via the tunnel. Um, but over the years, and this was, it could be in the 50s, 60s, they turned them into apartments and rented them out. Um, Man. But a cool thing, and I'm glad that I was able to see this before they filled in the tunnel and tore the house down, you could see in the collapsed tunnel, there used to be a pulley system. So now this, I can't state for 100% fact. Um, I've been trying to do more research in it. As of now, it's just alleged rumors. Um, But there was um, Judge Ryan. He was a judge here. And to my knowledge, both Ryan brothers were attorneys. And uh, the one that lived in the smaller house, to my knowledge, he stayed an attorney And then the one that uh, lived in the house that I live in uh, became the judge. And not defaming character. This is just, you know, from what I've heard, that the judge was allegedly in cahoots with Al Capone.
0: Really?
1: Because you got to think, 1928, prohibition time. Uh Uh-huh. A pulley system. The only thing that makes sense to me would be uh, bootlegging. So, um, and then there was like, when you go through my tunnel, you're, you're underground. Is your tunnel still there? Yes. Really? Yes. It's still active. Uh-huh. What,
0: what do Bill and I, Is there a fee we pay to go see the tunnel?
1: One million dollars. <laughs> no, you're absolutely, yeah, you are welcome to come anytime and look okay, at it.
0: I totally. Can miss. we record a podcast down there? Yeah. Let's record a, a, an album down there. Even better. The tunnel sessions. So the tunnel still there. Yours.
1: Yes. Um. And it goes where? It goes to the underneath of the carriage houses because when both tunnels were there, each tunnel came out underneath one of uh, like. That is so
0: bizarre. Yeah. What is the other story about why a tunnel would be there? Are there other stories?
1: Well, I've heard that it was during, you know, like they would um, hide slaves um, that the biggest that I've heard as of now is like the bootlegging um, which I don't know if you know this, but Frank Nash, he's buried. Yes. Yep, yes. And he was, you know, obviously he was a notorious gangster. Had some sort of connection here. Yeah.
0: did I'd heard that um, something about like that was, was it during the Cold War or whatever or something that like, and so they were like, people were afraid that the world was gonna be, or America's gonna be nuked. So that was a story I'd heard. And so they built these tunnels where they're like, we're gonna hide out underneath there in case like.
1: No, happened. yeah, I did hear that as well. And what's really cool is like in the basement, there's windows, but they have, um, what are those? Uh, they almost look like trenches. Um, I can't think of the word. I'm, I'm trying to think of the windows. It's almost like a foxhole. Like you, if you, you can open like up the window in the basement. Is what I'm huh? I'm
0: thinking of like a cellar. That's what I'm envisioning in my mind.
1: Well, no, it's opened up. Okay. It's almost like if you opened one of the basement windows, you could sit inside of it and hold a rifle over the top of it. Uh, Yeah, I can't think, uh, maybe it is like a foxhole kind of that I'm thinking of, but they're called uh, a a window well. That's what they are, window wells. Yeah, so, and what's really cool is like the house, the way it was built, it's got chicken wire inside of all of it. So if there was a war coming, and because of the plaster, the chicken wire, if it was bombed, I don't believe that it would collapse. And I think it would almost be impenetrable, you know, and then you've got where you can man, you know, the manholes around it. It's very, very interesting.
0: Man, that is. So the carriage houses are how many rooms?
1: Well, they're they're a single or a single bedroom. Okay. But they're they're like Jack and Jill. They look the same. Um, but when you're in it, you have the the living room. So okay. Yeah, and then they each have their own fireplace, and then they each have a bedroom, a bathroom, and a really small kitchen. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you walk in it and you feel like you're. In another time, you feel like you're in Germany in the 20s. Like it's it's pretty I, neat. I
0: definitely want to tour.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: is it haunted? That is a rumor that I've heard. It definitely is. And I know there's it definitely a, is. Yes.
1: And I know there's a lot of skeptics out there. Uh, I myself have been a skeptic. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's just, you know, my Christian belief or just in general, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the very first night, my son, Caleb, my youngest son, he and I moved in. I had no furniture in the house at this time when we first moved in. Uh, we had an air mattress, a mini fridge, and a microwave. And there's no central heat and air in the house. So there was a window unit in the living room, and it's at the bottom of the staircase. So we were, you know, sleeping at night. My back was to the stairs, and Caleb was in front of me. You know, he was the opposite side away from the, or the farthest away from the stairs, and, you know, like, um, I don't know, I'm sure when you grew up, you may have had a, a window unit mm-hmm. in your house. You know, if somebody walks in front of a window unit, how the air kind of has a muffled sound?
0: No, but i take your word for it. Okay.
1: Well, if you walk in front of a, a window unit and the air is going, uh-huh. it kind of muffled, it makes a little okay. bit of a muffled sound. So simultaneously. Once you've
0: heard it, you know the sound. Okay, yeah. That's what that is. Okay.
1: So simultaneously, the the air conditioner, it sounded, it had a muffled sound. I felt somebody behind me and I heard, Mama. Seriously? And I, I don't lie. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, and I opened my eyes and Caleb was asleep. So I just closed my eyes because it was our first night staying there. And I was like, I'm not going to turn around and look because if I see something, I'm going to scream and Caleb's not going to want to live here. That was your first night? First
0: night. You weren't like, okay, let's actually.
1: Uh, I couldn't. Her. When I saw the house, I fell in love. I knew it was. It was the house for me. So I just closed my eyes and I was like, just go away, just go away. And then at this like again, simultaneously, the air, the flow came back to normal and I didn't feel anything behind me. So that was nothing since then? Well, there there was a couple of times that okay, you have the main floor and then you've got the staircase, which is a really cool staircase. It came from the Anheuser Busch Mansion in St. Louis. No. Yeah, they had it shipped over.
0: Isn't that crazy?
1: But you go up the stairs. And the, the main floor, the living room, is all open. It's got the A-frame ceiling. Uh-huh. And I don't know if it's 20, 30 foot tall. But you go up these stairs, and just half of the house is upstairs. It's got two bedrooms, a bathroom, and whatnot. Well, above that, you can see these two big wooden doors for their, up in the loft. And the loft kept opening. And I, I w- we would shut it, and it would open. So I thought, well, maybe it's you know, the wind, the draft, or something. So we locked it. It would still open. So, Man. yeah. And then finally, I mean, he hasn't opened in forever. Well, on the upstairs floor, there's where the attic is. There's a door by the bathroom that you can just walk straight into the attic. And when that door shuts, because the house is settled, so some of the doors are uneven. When, when it shuts, it's you have to jerk it hard to pull it open. I can't, and this has been recently even. Um, I'd be, you know, on the main floor downstairs in, in like my room, and I would hear a boom and it's because the door would sling open. Wow! So yeah.
0: Bill, you just bought a house from 1928. Uh, congratulations! By the way, Thank here in Paragould. Good. Awesome. to have you. You're uh, you're about to go to sleep. You feel someone behind you, and I'll sit in here. Dad, What are you gonna do, man? You're gonna you're just gonna like this is a cool house. I'm staying. Yeah, I mean, my five year old would do that to me. But uh, and Eleanor sleeping. Well, I would chalk it up to that's what that's what's going on. And I would not want my wife to be scared of living there. Oh, you would be like, okay, this place is haunted, but we're not leaving. Yeah. Yeah, we're not leaving. And until she experiences the haunting, she's not going to know about it. Mm. Even if it happened to me every day. That's kind of the way I was. Yeah. you guys are so much braver than I am. But I've never felt
1: a bad... Now, if I would have felt like something evil or bad, that's different. But I've never felt any kind of whatsoever bad feeling. You know, now, if I actually probably saw a ghost... That might be a little, a little different. different. Yeah. But, and here recently, Caleb's even thought that he saw me, you know, walking by and I was in a different yep, room. That was
0: me. Yeah, You're like, yeah, that was yeah. me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he knows now. I mean, Caleb is my child through and through because he's like, mom, I wish we had ghosts so I could make me some more friends. Like he's, he's not scared.
0: He's been like, the supernatural fiction, right? He's like, he's ready for it, man. Exactly. He's yeah. going to be finishing the series for you if you don't ever finish it.
1: Exactly. Well, the way I'm going, it's going to take me forever.
0: <laughs> he's going to get some good material, man, living in this house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And like, there's been times that I've thought I saw him and I was walking to the bathroom and I mean, cause I have extremely good peripheral vision yeah. and out of my peripheral vision, I thought he was standing there in the corner, like going to scare me. And I was like, Caleb, and I would turn my head and there was nobody there.
0: We should totally do a haunted house there this October.
1: Oh, yeah. And I don't know um, how EVPs, whether they're legit or not. Um, you know, the things that calculate, like the energy, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, electrical. Yeah. Yep. or I don't know that's what they were called, but I'm just talking about that. Yeah. Um, but a friend of mine came one time, and it was going off the charts. Really? Yeah. Um, and the guy that had it, he put it up against my breaker box to show me, you know, because it was going off and he was showing like right now that it wasn't a fake or whatever. And then he put it in front of like a piece of plywood and it wasn't doing anything. And then certain spots, like it was going crazy. And they were asking it questions, you know, for yes, do two times and, you know, no one time. So I believe, I, I say, I believe I'm torn because I, you know, I, you know, in the Bible to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Sure. But I mean, how do we know God's all around us? So maybe that means we're here I don't know and I guess I won't know until I die someday.
0: Yeah, you're just like something mysterious happened. It didn't seem normal. Like and I don't think I'm crazy, like something happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, that, I don't really know exactly what, but clearly like yeah, it wasn't just my imagination.
1: Well, and this was a couple of weeks ago and this is the first time like when the loft doors would open, I would never actually see them open. I would just, you know, be gone, come back and they were open. But the other day, I had a little ceramic candy dish on one of my end tables in the living room, and I saw it very clearly. It's not as if it was on the edge of the end table and fell, or if my cat jumped up there. It was in the center of it. It slid off and then fell onto the floor, and the candy went everywhere.
0: Yeah, maybe just send me some pictures of your house. I'm not sure (laughs) I want to go No, when you're in there,
1: no, it's it's not. You don't have a a bad feeling at all. Yeah, I'm going
0: to carry my Bible and holy water with me just in case. (laughs) So, um, man, that is so fascinating. Um, tell me uh, where can we find your books? So someone's listening to this or like, man, I want to check this out. Where do they go?
1: Okay. Well, the first book that I had published bound by blood, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I went with this publishing company that, and like I said, I was naive, you know, to the literary world and, uh, they ended up getting arrested embezzlement they got shut down that's no bueno yeah um but before that happened because I wasn't getting paid royalties for them um for the first book and I knew for a fact that I'd sold thousands of the first book so my second book I went with Archway Publishing and I'm, I'm still with them on this second book um but the first book was no longer in print so I actually before I came here um I, because I've recently just got back to writing again now that I because we've been restoring my house. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going crazy. Like I've been to the point of exhaustion so many times, but I'm at a, a place now to where I can just gradually, you know, fix up the house and get back to my writing. So before I came here, I was actually in the process of putting the first book back on Amazon for an ebook for now. Oh, nice. And then, yeah, um, about it's- two years ago, I started a publishing company called Incurious or Publishing. And I thought, you know, why not just publish them myself? Hmm. You know, and then I'd get most of the royalties and whatnot. Well, I, I bit off more than I can chew, honestly. Like, it's one thing to write a book, but then to have to go in, edit it, have to find, you know, the printer and hmm. stuff like that. So it's it's been a headache, and it's been a lot of work. So the – I would say probably by – what is today? Thursday? Wednesday? Thursday. Yeah. By the end of next week. People will be able to go on Amazon and get the the ebook. Okay, excellent. And the second book, Into the Shadows, they can already get the the paperback copy or the ebook for it. Um, and then I can't guarantee how long the third book's going to be. Sure, I've got to you know finish it up. Um, but I know you can you can go on Amazon. I've got a website. It's pljones.webs.com.
0: Yeah, we'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes summary.
1: Yeah, and it's. I, I just today, like I said, I just have recently got back into it. I need to go in and update it and add more. Um, You can see pictures from when I went to the red carpet. Uh, I was a special guest because we talked about my books going TV Mm -hmm. show. And like I said, I went law enforcement and I just kind of put it on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Funny story. Speaking of red carpet. So when I went to St. Francisville, um, I got invited. It was the Louisiana International Film Festival. And I was in, of course, St. Francisville, where the book series is based out of. Went to a restaurant there that's in the book series. And I met this guy. He was our waiter. Instant best friends. Hmm. Instant. So I asked him, I said, "Uh, do you have a suit? I said, we're going to the red carpet tonight. Do you want to go? I mean, we were inseparable. So we went to the red carpet in our formal gowns and, and, you know, and tuxedos and stuff. And the next day, we went out to Cat Island Wildlife Refuge. So, without giving too much away about my book series, um, there's a tree in the, the book series, which is supposed to be the tree of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the... I don't know if it's the the countries or the world's... one of the largest uh, bald cypress. And so, we went to go find it. So, after the red carpet, we're all glamorous, whatever, one night. So, we go from that to kayaking in the swamps. And normally... Um, at certain parts of the year, you can walk to this tree and these trails. Well, it just so happens when I was there, it had flooded. So the, the water from the Mississippi had come through. And luckily, we got a kayak because we thought it was going to be, you know, two foot, three foot deep. Mm-hmm. We just didn't want to be wading with mm-hmm. snakes and stuff. Well, we sunk the kayak. <sighs> and I was eye to eye with an alligator. I'd say 30, 40 feet from me when I went down and we are so lucky we like we were right by a little gravel spot some dry land so here I was we I had a we had machetes you know we were being all dramatic like we're gonna battle snakes and alligators well I mean we were pretty close to the truth at the end of it but I let the machete go and kept the ore, which floats but here I was trying and I had our cell phones in a ziploc bag Well, I was underwater, and the vines from this huge bush, because of the current, wrapped around my ankle and kept pulling me. I couldn't get up. I mean, I was within within seconds of drowning, and I was like, wait a minute. I'm not going down like this. I've got two kids. I ain't going. So I finally got free, and I mean, just barely, my head was just barely above water, and I was just trying to float back if I could without dropping our cell phones. Got on dry land. We had to get rescued by Homeland Security and the West Felic- yeah, West Feliciana Sheriff's Department. I, uh, Mac, <laughs> my best friend, and we to this day, we're like soulmate best friends. Um, his cell phone had died, and I had like 20% left. I was able to get a hold of the Sheriff's Department, and they said we were so lucky because there's never cell service out there. When the waters are down, hunters get lost all the time. Wow. So they finally found us. and Jeez. it Yeah, they said we wouldn't have made it through the night because the alligators, we found the only dry spot or, uh, of land in like 300, 400 acres. So it, it was definitely. You're
0: def- going to have to weave that story into book number four.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, there is a battle that goes on there. But, yeah, it, it was crazy. We got to be on um, – Oh, I can't even think of it. Am I scene TV? Because a girl had heard the story. I met her at the red carpet, and she said, you've got to be on one of my shows. Like, that's crazy, that story. So we went back later and found it. There's no way we would have found it because the water was probably, I don't know, 50, 60 foot deep in some spots. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's scary.
1: Yeah. So we made it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So then I went and bought a kayak. (laughs) And that was my first time ever kayaking, by the way.
0: Man, you just like run right into the fear. Like, all right, let's do it.
1: I know, or either that or stupidity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm so glad that we got a chance to sit and talk and hopefully we can come on here, have you on again. And I definitely want to take you up on touring the house as long as Bill's there with me and you have your mace and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that would work with yeah, us. I know, it me make me feel a little bit safer maybe. <laughs> so Priscilla, thanks so much, appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, thank you guys for having me.
0: All right, that was Priscilla Jones. Priscilla, thanks so much for coming on. Bill. Are you going to take a tour of her house? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, you let us know how it goes. I want you to take your camera. Does she do good tours? Shots. She said she'll do one for you. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to make it that day. Okay. But I'd love for you to go and then report back. Mm-hmm. I'll take the podcast. camera, podcast gear. Yeah. Be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're still listening, thanks again for tuning in. Um, as always, we want to encourage you to check us out on our different social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have a website. Right, Bill? We do paragoldpodcast.com um, you can subscribe to our email list if that interests you and as always um, what am I going to say about iTunes? You know it's coming Bill. We want a five star review rating. No five star rating and yes, a written five, review. Five star rating yeah and why is that important? It helps people find us. helps people find out this Paragold's amazing and I live here now. You do? Congratulations man. So I came in the podcast. You're on Main Street. I'm on Main Street. You're like big time Paragould if you're on Main Street. Yeah, pay city taxes now. That's awesome. Yeah. So glad to have you and Taylor and Eleanor here. Yeah, we're glad to be here. Hey, um, again, thanks so much, seriously, for tuning in. Uh, We love uh, getting a chance to meet people in Paragould and and, uh, produce a podcast like this. And so um, be sure and come back next week and we'll try to have another great episode for you. Until next time.